the next episode is sponsored by Tap and Bottle in London. Hi, I'm Sophia Longhi. And I'm Ben Franks. And welcome to Wine Flight. Each week we face off with two bottles of wine and our special guest has to pick the winner. Okay, so this week we have Jager Wise. Excellent, let's take off. Hi, Jager. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Good, good. good. Tell us a bit about what you've been up to and what, what you do so people at home know. So, um, so I'm Jager Wise and I'm the head brewer of a small microbrewery in East London called Wildcard Brewery. Um, I'm also a TV and radio presenter as well. Very nice. Excellent. And how did the brewing come back? What, uh, how did it happen? How did you start? I always say, I get asked this quite a lot, you can imagine. So I always say uh, drinking too much beer. That's how you yeah. fall into the, the beer world. Yeah, it I sounds too like many my pints. story. Yeah. Especially because <laughs> you were it. studying chemistry, is it? Yeah, it was uh, chemical engineering. Right. Um, and, but what you don't realise, especially when you're doing a subject like that, is a lot of drinks making is a lot of, a lot, it's a lot of science. Yeah. So what I didn't realise was I was... Uh, building the, the perfect kind of background for the world of drinks without even realizing it. I even did a wow. year in like water treatment and you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So I learned the ins and outs of water just, and just, it's so useful. No wonder you were going to the pub at the end of the day and drinking <laughs> the beer. <laughs> Sounds pretty hardcore. Yeah. Well, I mean, the water is essential for the brewing process. Yeah. Anyway, isn't it? So you yeah. have it all ready to go. Was that, so was it an easy transition into beer if you had that ready or was it still um, quite a challenge? I think, I think with, with anything, it was never my intention to go into beer. Does that make yeah. sense? It was just something that um, uh, a couple of friends who I used to homebrew with and used to mess around with and go to beer festivals with, they were starting a brewery. And I just happened to have quit my job, it, which was a chemical trading in London that was incredibly boring. And, um, and I said, oh, I'll help you out. And then now it's been 10 years. So I just never kind of left. Does that make yeah. sense? I think, I think what's harder is the, the kind of knowledge buildup because um, I became a sommelier and, and went down that path as well. But as in, in order to kind of learn all the different styles, I think you yeah. have to like socially be really, really into it, if that makes sense. I, I don't think I could have done it, like just learning all the different styles right. from the book. So you need to like be on the scene and in the scene and, and, and making the friends and the contacts as yeah. well. Yeah, but like just, I don't really just view drinking. it that way. I don't really view it that way. It's just like when you get invited and you can get beer, you go. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> if someone's gonna give you beer or, or there's a launch happening or, or there's something happening. Free beer. Just, Basically, yeah. yeah. You just go, right? So, and it's kind of like learning it that way and okay. picking up the different styles and, and from different regions, et cetera, et cetera. Oh. So when you said you're a sommelier, so you're, you're a beer sommelier. I'm a beer sommelier, yes, wow. yes, 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 yes. And because you still don't see much of that role, like in yeah. restaurants and things. So did you, so you trained as that and then did you work as that? Did you have, to have some roles in like venues as, a, as the sommelier? So as the sommelier is quite, is a little bit different from uh, the wine scene. So yeah. so in order to become a beer sommelier, um, you have to, obviously you have to prove your credentials, but there's like a, an exam you have to sit. There's like a course you go on and there's an exam you sit. And you obviously have to have written a certain amount of tasting notes and, and do certain amounts of events. But I do that all the time anyway. So I go and do events for, for wildcard for fun to sell my book. You know what I mean? I do it anyway. Yeah. So I was quite lucky in that I had um, had a um, uh, quite a portfolio or, uh, already. But I don't know why it's, it's, a little, it's a little bit different, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you can, you can work up from front of house up to sommelier and kind of be trained in the role itself. But there is a court of master sommeliers where yeah, you get you still have to qualifications do like an exam. Yeah, but you, mm. you can also work into a job role of a sommelier mm. as well as the Yeah, and it's definitely, even though you can be a sommelier not in service, like you could just, ha you have it as a certificate. Um, it's generally more for the service side of the industry. So mm. I don't know whether that's the same. Like so, so I think the key difference is when you go out for a meal, just no one ever comes up to you and says like, would you would you like to try all these like six beers at your table? Yeah. Um, oh, do you not like that? We'll send that back. Or that is never, that's just not how beer is drunk. 
yeah. if that makes sense. Whereas, so that, and obviously when you're talking to someone behind the bar, you want them to know what they're talking about and to recommend stuff. But, but it just doesn't really happen in beer where there's like your, your waiter or your waitress mm. do you fulfilling that, that role. Like, I mean, do you like that idea? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah, it does sound fun. But I mean, I think generally, um, Beer is probably underappreciated, I think, in the drink space, especially what beer could do with food. And I would love to see more, especially like high end restaurants taking beer like as seriously yeah. as they take wine, because I, I take beer super seriously. And I would love to for the um, especially high end restaurants to, to take it as seriously. Like yeah. it's really hard to, to sell them cans, for example, that there is still a little mm. bit of a um, uh, People are put off by cans over a bottle, yeah. whereas in the UK, like, let's be honest, some of the best beers are now in, yeah. in can. Um, but there's still kind of a problem with that uh, mm. in the restaurant scene. Yeah, there you know definitely I mean? is because uh, same in the wine trade, but it's very young. Where this can wine market, just to get into a restaurant, is on the format, basically yeah. a closed and that's door. Even um, further behind the beer scene. Very far behind the beer scene. Yeah, yeah. but. I mean, the, the thing that excited me most about beer at the beginning of my drinks journey was going to Dublin and there's a porterhouse pub there that has like 600 <laughs> bottled beers. And it was like being, you know, the kid sweet shop thing that people use all the time. But there's something I knew nothing about. I know very little about beer, but suddenly I could try any, or what felt like any beer on the planet in one place. Oh, wow. And me and my other half, he doesn't drink beer at all. We went back there three, four times on the trip just to start tasting and they did little tasting samples. Yeah. Out of that, I was like, yeah, I'm a beer fan because it yeah. was just exciting and different and it'd be great to see more places like that doing and lots I, of beer. And I think generally with beer, there is, out of all of the drinks across the whole uh, drink scene, I think it's probably one of the lowest, has one of the lowest barriers to entry in terms mm. of price. Like you can, you can get like a six pack to drink with friends and that's going to cost you 25 quid you, you know what i mean mm -hmm. there is quite a low barrier to for lots of people to take part yeah. in tasting lots no, of different flavors because yeah. you don't have that in wine so much mm. um and people feel that as well learning about wine you know wine courses and certificates and exams they're very very expensive so um, that can really stunt someone's sort of growth and knowledge yeah, it'd be nice to level the playing field a little bit more mm. in wine uh, and probably beer, I imagine. Mm. What do you think could happen to get more people wanting to learn about beer? Do you think there's lots of people wanting to learn about it or do you think it's some oh, kind of getting in the way? I, I think there's so <laughs> many people wanting to, um, wanting to learn about beer and people are. Mm. There's lots and lots of people who care passionately about beer and they will tell you about it <laughs> and they'll tell you about your latest beer in exact in intense detail yeah. all over the internet to your face to, uh, in little little books in, in the beer industry we have something called beer tickers and never heard of that oh my god now i know <laughs> they, they they will um go to from venue to venue with a book normally like a bible size like notepad where they'll write down, okay, well, I've had your 4.8% porter. I'm just going to write really? some notes about it and give it a score. You can't see what I've written. but uh, like, like train spotters. Like train spotters, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly like train spotters. Yeah, exactly. So um, I don't know if that's, that, that exists in the wine. No, that oh, must exist. I don't, think, oh. I don't think people have that. Like you say, like with the barrier to entry being a lot lower with beer, I don't think it could happen so much because, and beer is, um, wine is higher in alcohol as well. Yeah. So you, they can't be sort of going drink five glasses well you could be like but whether kid. you write the notes by glass six yeah you might be a little bit worse for her by then but um, so all of that feedback that i imagine is constant and always there oh, is yeah. that make it more or less exciting for you as a brewer when you're releasing new things do you oh um kind of feed off that or is it i think you have to have a really healthy attitude towards yeah. it so you have to you have to one of the things i've learned over the years and when i when i was younger perhaps perhaps less so, was you have to really be able to filter through all the noise and be able to stay true to your vision yeah. um, of, of what you want to achieve. Because a lot of a lot of noise, a lot of people telling you X, Y, and Z, but like, I tried to make this, I wanted to make this, it tastes like this, and I think it's the best damn thing I've ever made. And if, if you're not at that last point by the end, like, there's no point. 
Yeah. Beer, the competition is too high, in, especially in London. When I first started in the, in the brewing industry, there was 10 breweries in London. There's now 110 breweries in London. Wow. So there's no space for mediocrity anymore. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's go hard or go home. <laughs> so what feeds into the vision at Wild Cup? What's, what's the vision there? So for me, I'm always trying to make something better than, than the last time I made it. So it's because it, it's obviously a batch process and we are obviously making new new beers every week essentially so we're quite lucky we have all the freedom that you could possibly have as a brewer so we release five to six new beers a month and that means within that that's a lot of flavor and it's a lot of flavor in order to try and produce beers that are obviously of a very high standard but also exciting innovative and to be in that space is um it's it's pretty exciting it's it's taxing yeah. on the mind it's, it's ta- taxing on the palate um you're just imagine. constantly tasting so it's, it's pretty exciting yeah. and are you designing like beer like different beers some to go with food some to drink on their own um yeah like kind of different design elements yeah yeah so i mean and there's also like the branding branding is so important to what we do um in in beer so it also has to fit that as well so we we, we generally do I like to release beers in groups. So um, at the minute we have the fish series, which is a, a series of vintage fish on the can. And um, the three different beers I've got to go with that, each has their own, has to have their own personality. Because mm. I don't want people to buy one, I want people to buy the trio, if yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one's a passion fruit, lemon and apricot sour. One of them is um, a West Coast IPA, 6.1%. And the third one, is a 4.6% like juicy, hazy pale. So when people buy this set, they feel like they've completed something, they've got something, they've... Yeah. Um, tick, tick, tick. But yeah, tick, tick, tick. <laughs> yeah, t- yeah, yeah tick, tick, tick for those beer tickets. <laughs> and what keep them entertained. <laughs> so the, the Tavern on the Hill then, so you're yep. pub in Walthamstow. How many beers have you got available? Oh, so the Tavern on the Hill, it's quite interesting actually. So the Tavern on the Hill is quite a traditional pub. It was actually... <laughs> It was named Britain's roughest pub, actually. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. But a Sky News documentary in 2009, a Sky News documentary <laughs> named it Britain's roughest pub. So we took it on during COVID. Um, it's got quite the reputation as you can imagine. So we took it back to its original name. It's a pub that stood on the same ground for hundreds and hundreds of years. So it's got history in in bucket loads, and. Um, it's a it's a really traditional pub. So what we've done is we've got but we've put cask beer in in there. So we got bitters, pales, um, uh, cask cider. Uh, we've got we've got some amazing wine actually. Um, uh, I had um, a wine list made up, which is which which is it's very nice. Huh? But you have to, I have to invite you guys and, and you can come yeah. in um, yeah. and yeah. and tell me what's what. And we've got fourteen beers on keg. Oh, so nice. it's quite a, okay. a showing. Yeah. It's just gone viral. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we can't get him. <laughs> <laughs> it just went viral on TikTok. So yeah. I, I oh, can wow. really get So is this through the Sunday roast stuff? Yeah. Or, okay, right. So, so tell us about this then. So some lovely human, um, her name is uh, Di- uh, Di- uh, Diane. Uh, she came to the pub. She had a Sunday roast and it's a Caribbean Sunday roast, which is um, pretty normal in Caribbean communities to have like a British Sunday roast, but with, rice and peas with mac and cheese mm. with a bit of plantain mm. and like Something. yeah so wow. just, a, a, just a normal British yeah. Sunday roast with some Caribbean twists right okay. nice. and our food vendor is a Jamaican food vendor who's in, who's in at the moment and she just took a video of it and then from that another TikToker took a video from it and then a third TikToker we now have celebrities coming I'm not joking wow. to this Sunday roast and we're booked up for like weeks and weeks and weeks incredible. just incredible oh. um so yeah, that's fantastic. Please come. <laughs> and amazing with we'll the beer as well. I imagine yeah. so it's spice and beer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Pairing. Well, in ten months, we'll be there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll find space for you. Yeah. I'll find space. <laughs> so love for beer that has fed into food as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. you do a radio show as well on food and drink. Yeah. Um, how much have you ventured into the other stuff? So food and drink as a, I know you judge some wine competitions as well. How much has that captured you alongside the beer? Oh, um, so I, 
obviously I'm a I'm a beer sommelier. That's my primary. That's primarily what I do. Mm. Um, within the, what I learned though is um, being able to taste at that level lends itself quite nicely into other areas. And I, I know when um, we met each other at the um, uh, English Wine Awards, yeah. um, and. I was really, I really wanted to to see how those skills really transfer. And so I, I've been tasting all sorts of things. So I've, uh, I did a tasting session with uh, the master blender of Twinings. So tea, nice. yeah. um, cocktails, vodka. Vodka was interesting. It was the yeah. most interesting because it's so subtle, the flavors mm-hmm. in there. Um, so w- one of the things I've learned is once you kind of train your palate, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's a different day with a different hat on, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's, 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 they're very similar. Yeah. But the off flavors are, are in, in wine, like 95% of the same mm. as in beer. So it's it's quite interesting. Um, yeah, I was saying to Sophia, it was quite very interesting to have you and Tommy there, because Tommy is a brilliant winemaker. You've got the beer knowledge and the, the fermentation. You're both very technical, which is fantastic, because I'm not. <laughs> so I was like, okay, okay, balance for me is all in you know the subjective almost obviously it's not because all the technical stuff is making me feel that way but it's just interesting to have all the same opinions shared from a very different angle that like it like, explains the reason why yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. which is always really interesting to find out and one of the things that i found just absolutely fascinating on that day was just some of the some of the flavors that i would deem as off flavors yeah. you guys were like no nah, it's fine <laughs> and 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 vice versa as well. But but the, 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 there are some flavors that that will. Like, oh, this is fine. This will breathe out. Yeah, we're not mousy. Yeah, just, it was it was lots of stuff. Like um, sulfur was one of them. So, mm. so 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 for me, if I'm judging a competition, and um, in the beer world, and sulfur is in my final packaged product. Like I, I'd mark it down for that, right. um, but there was a bit more allowance. Yeah, because it for, blows for, off. For yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas if I tasted it in beer in, fer- in fermentation, I would, I would be like, "That's fine. I know that's gonna not make it to final package." Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Um, well, while we're on the wine, then should we have a little <laughs> taste of wine and see what you think Let's. of what Sophia and Ooh, I, I think you you should go first. You want me again. to go first? Yeah, okay, so we'll, we'll start with mine. I have a 2020 Chablis, so um, 100% Chardonnay coming from um, near the Loire Valley up at the top of Burgundy. And this is a little bit oaked, but not too much. So fresh, fruit forward style is what it should be all about. And I thought that this would be a technically sound wine, which is kind of (laughs) hopefully win you over on the fact that nice bit of fruit, good structure, classic, which is unusual Mm. for me. You know, I love my weird and wonderful wines, but I'm hoping to win with this one. Although this is your second Burgundy. This is my second Burgundy of the podcast. Although I lost with the last one, so I'm hoping this comes Mm. out as a winner. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Very, it's very classy. Mm. Yeah, that's lovely. So I like these kind of wines for just drinking on their own, really. The bit of acidity that kind of sits in the cheeks afterwards makes it lovely if you want uh, fish and chips or anything with a bit of salt and fat to it. But you could also just chill it down and wish away the afternoon quite happily with a bottle of that. Do you find, because there's obviously some barrel that can be used in beer as well, Mm. how do you like that angle of beer making? Oh, I, it's 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 my favorite angle. It's yeah. my favorite angle. Yeah, uh, so much so I've just written a book about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's called Wild Brews, and it's it's about that kind of beer making. So, yeah. um, one of the things that I've just found over the years is, is it's really difficult to find just a book or or just information all in one place, but that takes you from amateur level all the way through to. To kind of expert, and that includes mm. obviously there's a massive section in there on barrel aging, yeah, um, and the different kind of flavors that, that we get. Obviously, in the beer industry, it's so interesting. By the time we tend to end up with the barrel, it tends to be second or third use yeah. from because it bounces from various industries, so it's quite rare for us to get hold of like new oak, yeah. Um, is that what we, you would want anyway? Because new oak can be very strong, flavored, overpowering. I mean. 
Is that sort of what you would want to go for anyway? Or? I wouldn't know. I can't get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 to be fair. No, it depends. on. It honestly depends on the beer. So um, if I had something like incredibly, like a strong, like 12, 13% like stout, like right. that could cope with new oak, new yeah. oak for a short amount of time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but... I we enjoy the flavors that come from other sectors. So I've been working a lot with um, with um, Rioja barrels, mm. and um, like I want that in my final product. Yeah. So it adds another dimension to me. Um, like bourbon barrels, would you work with those? Yeah. So I've I've got some 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 bourbon in the fleet. I've got um, Highland some Highland whiskey in the fleet. I've got brandy. Um, I've got rum. I've got rum. I've got a lot. Yeah. Um, I've got some interesting. I've got some interesting muscat. I've got. I've got all sorts of stuff. Ooh, yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, I'd love to put you and there's a winemaker up north called Simon Day, and I'd love to put. He's very experimental. He's done um, cider uh, fermented on Bacchus skin, so the skins oh, wow. of grapes, and he's done Cabernet co ferments and stuff. It'd be really good fun to see um, what you two come up with if you um, put them in a room and just go. <laughs> make, make me something <laughs> please do please, please put us in contact yeah. but um but I, I i just find that there is a huge crossover between like the drink space wine beer cider is one that's like it's super interesting spirits mm. there's so much crossover and we don't often interact yeah that much it's very rare that i'll go to um like a trade event or something that has both wine and beer makers and cider makers and, and that sort of thing mm. um, but there's so much knowledge that I think could be shared um, definitely and I wonder whether it's like the sort of cultures we've built around these separate industries like I know that um, I've spoken to a couple of like urban wineries in London and they're, they're set up as very much more like a craft brewery sort of set up and it's very casual and and you know, just bench tables and everything, and and they say they they learn a lot from the craft beer industry about you know letting people try things, and and I know that people have that image of wine where it's a bit stuffier and a bit more I don't know fancy. So mm. yeah, I think definitely we can learn from each other's industries and mix mm. it up. Wine could definitely learn from beer's branding. I'll say oh, that again now. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yes. Do you think? Definitely. Oh, yeah. It's much more exciting. And yeah, definitely. He's like artists and things, yeah. So, oh, sorry. Cool. There's a really interesting um, winemaker that's just moved into um, the industrial estate where I brew called Renegade wine so yeah so they've got oh they're both so yeah yeah Yeah. so that is very much as you said it's like tables outside um uh, you can try everything so it's it's been it's been really interesting uh seeing them and seeing the clientele that go there and that sort of thing it's been it's been fascinating to watch yeah Yeah. share some customers hopefully (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) if they can get into Um, what have you brought, Sophia? Okay. As, as a oh, rival so we finished up with your shabby. Well, oh, let's well, just enjoy that. Actually, know it could, could be pure well. and delicious and brilliant. But I mean, yeah. you're gonna have to work quite hard. <laughs> it's a bit sort of rounder than a lot of shablies. Yeah. Like it's uh, not so sort of acidic and um, sort of linear. Like it has a softness to it, doesn't it? It's yeah. It's been softened out very nicely mm. by the little bit of oak without bringing oak flavour to it. So mm. it's just fruit. All right, let's see. (laughs) So I've gone for South Africa. It is a wine from Stellenbosch, the grapes uh, Chenin Blanc. I chose this from a shop in Borough Market because I was like, okay, so I'm tasting with a brewer. (laughs) And uh, I was actually going to go for some sort of natural wine. I don't know, it's a bit more yeasty. I don't know whether that makes sense. I like that. Because um, I was looking at, yeah, what we got. Anyway, wild ferment, Chenin Blanc, uh, made with native yeasts. Um, and look, look at the front. Tim Atkins given it nice three points. <laughs> so yep. he it was all right. Um, but 2020, so pretty young, a little bit of oak age on there. Um, but I, I just think it is very fleshy, fleshy fruits. Um, Chenin can be... Uh, a little bit heavy, so I don't always enjoy Chenin, especially um, when it warms up in the glass. It can be a bit too sort of full and overpowering for me. But I think 
um, yeah, this keeps the lightness to it. And maybe it's that wildness that sort of comes mm. through. Yeah, I mean, this is South African and you can feel the heat on the wine because it's got that kind of alcohol kick, but it's softened quite nicely by the fact you've got ripe stone fruits in there. But the interesting thing with this particular wine, I think, is that Chenin Blanc keeps its acidity even when it starts to over-ripen. So even though mm. this is warm and hot and ripe, it's still got that lovely freshness at the end. It does. Which keeps yeah. it all a little bit from going cloying. Because there's a moment in your mouth when you have it, and it's creamy and it's fruity and it's there, in the same way this is. And then you almost think, okay, this is going to go a little bit cloying, and mm. then it lifts right at the end it, you yeah. get the bite. It's mm. kind of even like it has a stoniness to it at the end, I think. But um, yeah, I didn't say from Delheim, I think is how you pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, it's really interesting. Both the ones you guys have picked. So, so, so the first one, I, and I should, yeah. I, I don't have to say now. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll leave my sum up to the end. I'll leave my sum up to the end. <laughs> oh, and, and no. any clues? <laughs> it's just they are night and day. So it's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. So the first one, very classic, very focused, mm. um, uh, super duper clean. Yeah. Um, the second one, a little bit funky, a little bit wider on the palate. You get it in the in the cheeks. There, long longer finish. Um, just just. Very different. Very different. Mm. And I didn't, it wasn't until I, I started studying wine like four years ago. And really, I didn't drink much white wine at all because mm. I thought I drank a lot of red, lots of different styles of red, but really kind of thought, oh, you know, white's white wine. You know, mm. I didn't really see the differences, but it's only because I hadn't tried as many. And mm. I mean, like you say, these are so different. And yeah, and it's just horses for courses, I suppose, isn't it? But, yeah, I've, I've got a favourite. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> is it mine? <laughs> um, <maybe>. Opulent <laughs> is that a good one for this one, actually. Yes, definitely. That's the Shannon. So um, tell us about the process of writing a book, because we had a screenwriter on on the previous episode and they talked a lot about writing and it'd be interesting to see how similar your side is. <laughs> <laughs> it took me three and a half years to write my book. So okay. um, I... Don't think I did it right, but <laughs> I think you meant to be more efficient than that. Um, so for me, like I, I did English literature at, uh, at A level. That's about the level of my writing experience. I've done a couple of articles here, there, and there, here, here and there. But I'm not. I wouldn't call myself like a, a, a writer. So for me, I really, I feel like I really struggled. And it wasn't with the writing itself. It was with the um, I'm going to sit down and work here for, for four hours. It was that part. So you had a million other things to do and you, yeah, you... you it's, it's not that, you find avoidance as a thing. Right. Like, um, <laughs> so it wasn't so much the million other things to do because you put the time aside and then, mm. yeah, you find other things to do, don't you? Oh, that dishwasher really <laughs> You procrastinate. Yeah. So, so I find that the discipline required with writing right, a book yeah. difficult. Yeah. Um, so what changed to get it finished? Because I I assume that there was something that clicked or happened or pushed or to, to finally wrap it up or was it just kind of, it just eventually got there? Honestly, for me, it's a labour of, and it's a bit cheesy, but like, I really enjoy the subject yeah. I'm writing about. So that kind of overcame, I think a little bit is a bit of anxiety as well, where you're thinking, oh, what's everyone going to think? Oh, this is, you know what I mean? There is a little bit of in your head to kind of get yeah. over. Um, so, I mean, it just finished when it finished. <laughs> when, it, when I was done, I was like, here you go. Yeah. I'm sure my publishers love me. But um, uh, no, I mean, but I'm so, so, so proud of it. Um, it hit the number one spots yeah. across all beer and across amazing. all drinks, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm so, so, so happy with it. But yeah. to, to, to say it was, yeah. it was hard. Yeah. It was really hard, yeah. Did you have, I mean, people talk about when they're writing or any kind of um, entrepreneurial sort of pursuit, they have like a, a vision in mind or some sort of like purpose. Like, did you have that idea where, because there aren't that many, well, mainstream books about brewing and stuff. Yeah. So was that some sort of like something that kept you going? Like, people need to know this. <laughs> Honestly, kind of, yeah. So, um, so one of the things is I really struggled with the, the kind of voice of the book because I was thinking, like, what 
what would I want to read? And the answer is, I would just want to hear like the, the truth or like what you really think. So I, it probably came up more personal than I intended, the book. And like the intro is very personal. Like the whole, the whole book is quite personal. Um, but also that's kind of the day to day. So all the stories, the disasters, the ups and the downs, you, you, you kind of, you end up writing about it because you think, oh, there was that funny. When you, when you go to, there's this whole section on working with fruit. And I thought, oh, I remember that time, the first time I worked with fruit and then every, this got blocked and then that happened and, that, and you end up just writing it down. Yeah. Um, but that's what people connect with. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah I, I suppose, yeah, I suppose. But it, it was, um, I think the voice and the tone of it, I don't think I had a choice but to be honest because I just didn't really have any other reference point. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. And I had no one telling me how to do it. They very much left me alone. Yeah. So um, I just wrote, I wrote the book that I would have wanted to read when I first got into, into wild brewing. Um, and have you had uh, people who have read it come back and kind of remove that anxiety and go, okay, yeah, it's done what I wanted it to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's been, honestly, the reviews have been absolutely fantastic. So I, I couldn't really ask for better, really, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of better. Do you re- do you read the reviews, or do you have some? Do you just like have you got a family member or friend or something to read them for you, and you just like just tell oh, them the good ones? Um, I, <laughs> no, I read a couple of them last week for the first time because I finally felt I finally felt it came out in May, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I finally felt that like I'm in a good headspace. Okay. Like, I can read them. Does that, does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it's, like, it's just I don't think I could I could read them, or I'd get someone to just filter them or something. <laughs> Yeah, I think if, if you're in the right place to read them, I think it can be quite, well, I mean, it depends on the review, doesn't it? I was going to yeah. say it could be quite uh, rewarding to hear people actually. I think, I think being in the beer space, it really trains you just generally for, for like criticism. Yeah. Like you have to, um, and, and before I started working beer, I used to, um, um, I used to be like a session singer for quite, for quite a while. And you get really used to people saying like not very nice things about you when you're in the room. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, it, like, like you critiquing. Critiquing, you. yeah, but... Yeah, mm, yeah uh, I know, and you're like, who are you Yeah, and, and, and people talk about what you're doing, but you have to, you can't like have a tantrum and storm off or anything. You have to like... <laughs> what, like are you like singing songs like, oh, that was a bit flat. That's the least of it. Flat is like a technical <laughs> note. So there was, there was one time when I was singing and I had to uh, say the phrase um, one, two, three in a song like, yeah. like one, two, three. Yeah. And they were like, Jacob, can you just say, say, can you do that again? I was like, one, two, three, one, two, three. And they were like, you're not saying, you know, Jacob, the one is just all over the place, Jacob. <laughs> no, like, these notes about the one. And I said, oh, my play. In the end, we had to sing individually. One, two, three. Oh. <laughs> and they had to piece it together because I couldn't oh. get one, two, three. <laughs> just like, just the amount of like, and it's loads of people, like a room of people all talking about Oh, the one in that sentence <laughs> absolutely terrible. She's just not getting it. She just, <laughs> you just have to be really, it's fine, you get used to it. So where, where did the session singing come into the brewing and the chemistry and and was that at the beginning or is it carried on? Are you still doing yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Um, st- still a, um, uh, a musician on the side. Um, yeah, cool. But when the, when the brewing, in- brewing first started, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I had a lot of jobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was singing for my friend, I was working in pubs, I was, I was doing all sorts. Yeah, well, so, I mean, you have to at the beginning, yeah, right? Yeah. To make it work. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. I think the, the phrase is hustling, that's what the phrase <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> now the dream is happening. Yeah. Right, and how do you feel about red over white? Are you more white wine or more red wine? I'm definitely more natural red. Red, okay. Yeah. Natural well, red, yeah. We've got a battle of the Shirazes on the okay. list. Yes, um, we do. So I've got um, a Syrah from Craggy Range. Okay. Um, it's uh, from Hawke's Bay in New Zealand. Uh, so it's a cool climate Syrah. So I love the Syrah grape for its pepperiness, notes of sort of violets and um, like cherries and plums. It's very, it's very, I find it very beautiful. It's a very sort of... Um, Elegant grape, I think. But anyway, from a cooler climate region, um, it, it tightens it up a bit, I think, and um, just shows a different side of it, like a little bit more together and um, 
classy and I don't know see see what you think <laughs> but um, cheers cheers yeah, cheers guys So it's an area of uh, Hawke's Bay called Gimlet Gravels, which is um, quite a sought-after premium area. Um, so I think of like gravelly soil um, and, you know, winemakers really sort of say that you can taste that kind of stoniness, that graveliness a little bit in the wines. It's almost spicy. Yeah, yeah. it is spicy, yeah. Syrah has like a pepper, peppery mm. kind of. Whereas a little bit meaty hue as well that sits there. But yeah, you've got a spiciness with the fruit. And I think that's part of that cool climate mm. where it's not just all fruit. It's fruit and spice and meat and freshness. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, if you've got nice draining soils like this, you've got the taut part as well, mm. where it's quite, acidity is high. Mm -hmm. You've got nice gentle tannin. And it feels like, like with the white you were saying, more full in the mouth this is yeah the, the texture is very silky it's like the tannins are there but they're very fine and and overall like you just get a very kind of smooth mouth feel um so with, with some syrah it, when when you're in a hotter climate it can be quite overpowering and a little bit grippy um and you would definitely need food with it quite inky um but i wouldn't um i wouldn't describe this as inky it has a real finesse to it mm. Maybe you like that. You like it? Yeah, it's really nice. Okay, I'm in trouble then. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you like the grape variety and I'm going to show you another version of it in, okay. a, in a different stead. So this is Sarah as well. And this is Janos Markbart Jr. who's got vineyards in Sexard in Southern Hungary. And they're all old vines. So they're all about 90 to 100 years old. Um, and when a vine's that old, the fruit is low yielding. Sometimes you don't really get any fruit at all. But when you do... The sugars are high and the acidities remain high. The vine is so deep rooted that it's not really overproducing anything at all. So you get this purity. So it has some of that meatiness, but it's got a more, well, taste it, but a kind of a, a <laughs> pure, purity of the fruit. This would be, yeah. Um, be a good comparison. Yeah, and I would say this is almost in between because this is not cool climate, but it's not warm either. You have a quite dry weather in Sexard in southern Hungary, but you've got a nice long ripening season as well. It's so light in colour, actually. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. That's surprising. So what do you think? It's what's interesting. I think it's, it tastes a little bit, um, a little bit generally lighter mm -hmm. than, the, than the first wine we just tried. Mm -hmm. The spiciness is, is way down. Yeah. Hardly any effect, like lightly, but hardly any. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. But yeah. not quite as spicy. <laughs> Just interesting, interesting. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? It's a delightful wine. Like I think I wouldn't have even picked it as syrup. Like mm. it's so light bodied and, and light in color, like we said. And I pick out sort of more of a red fruit characteristic. And mm. I'd always associate syrup with like a, a black fruit characteristic, like black cherry. Um, you know, but um, yeah, I, I think it's lovely actually. <laughs> I think for me, it's the fact that when you drink it, it's gentle without being light. Like it doesn't feel thin, but it's quite gentle and full on the palate. And it's that purity element I really like. You tend to get that in older vine wines just because the concentration is there without mm. necessarily the power. So you've got these little berries that are concentrated. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just yeah. Supple. Yeah. And it would go very well with a Caribbean roaster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. He's done. He's got his fighting talk out now. Well, mine is punchy. <laughs> mine is punchy. But the thing about food and wine pairing as well, and probably the same with beer, it's really all about the sensation that you want at the yeah. end of it. Like... So, you know, if you love spice and heat, then, you know, in England, people talk about a sweeter white wine with curries and spice because they say it tempers the heat. But if you love that sensation of like tingle and, and fieriness, have a red wine, have a, yeah. have a spicy red wine to mm. accentuate that. 
Do, do you think it's humanly possible to get a good red wine or white wine to go with a curry? Okay, so <laughs> fine talk. This, this, yes. This is. Or should you have a pint instead? This is the one moment where novel wines comes in quite well. Because <laughs> I would say broadly no. So all of this, uh, <laughs> I would say broadly yeah. All, 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 all of this sweet, <laughs> re- fight it. sweet reasoning, which is the go-to for a lot of wine people and curry. You have the sugar, and you don't necessarily lose the wine, but you don't really add anything either. There's a vineyard in Maharashtra in India called Sula Vineyards, and Kerry Damsky, the Californian uh, winemaker, partnered up with Rajiv Samant, who set up Sula, to make. Indian wine to go with Indian food because they're oh. all drinking the wine before the food. Now in India you can't ripen grapes because it just over ripens and is jammy and the acidity is low. So they said, okay, well if we're always going to make overripe grapes, let's green harvest and get the best grapes we can. But let's put them in a really heavily charred barrel so you get sweet jammy Shiraz that gets put into a heavily charred oak barrel that gives you smoke and a little bit of mm. vanilla. And, yeah, so you have this wine that tastes like jammy smoke. And then you put that with, um, you know, things like uh, Rogan Josh's or Jared Fraser's where you've got the onions and the tomatoes and oh, the spice so and mm. the two of them, that's when you have a red that goes a curry. There you go. But that is the only one I would hands down say this one curry is 10 out of 10. I only know that because I have a customer who hates that wine. They used to go, why are you showing this wine? It's horrible. And I said, look, <laughs> taste it. And he's one of my best customers. And eventually I took a curry around his house and a bottle. I said, try it again, but together. Yeah. And he now buys more of it me than anyone else. So, <laughs> there you go. There you go. If you want an Indian wine with an Indian curry, it works really well. <laughs> so while you're thinking about those wines and working out who might have won, <laughs> Shall we have a nice beer? I feel like a nice beer. I think beer. so. Yes. Yeah, please. we've bought some beers, oh, which yes. is a very uh, extra bit of luxury. Very exciting. <laughs> so uh, I've actually bought, bought three beers. It depends on what you guys want to... All of which, them. Which way you want to go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see which way you want to go. I reckon, because I've got a big bottle. Let's go... Um, mm, so I've got a pale ale with me, 4.6% pale ale. got an apricot saison, which is... Um, a really interesting bit, and I've got a um, cuvee saison. So it depends on how weird you want to go. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm all for weird. You're so. all for weird. Yeah. Yeah. What okay, kind of so, glass do you want? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wine glass every want, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. every time. Well, I, I always like to do my tastings in, in wine glasses. It also, people always just think it's fancy if I'm the, the word go <laughs> in a wine glass. Um, Thank you very much. There we go. I reckon we do the two saisons because they're so interesting. Yeah, and you I'm can drink good. that one later yourselves. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> we, we were just saying, like, um, yeah, sommeliers. Anyone that works in wine always wants a beer at the end of the day. So <laughs> this is great. Yeah. So this one is um, this is an apricot saison. So this was actually made on International Women's Day. So with very many 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 women who work in the beer industry so they, they all come down every year on um march the 8th and come and brew a beer with me oh that's cool and this year yeah. we made a saison you can see it's nice and hazy wow. <laughs> it's, it's a really beautiful color, color yeah. it's like um just to just quote the listeners it sort of looks like orange juice yeah absolutely. like before you get to the head part yeah so Ooh. it's one of the things I'm looking for. I'm always looking for like nice, like lacing of the glass, a good, a good foam, um, a beer like this. It's a saison, so I do want it to be hazy. But there's also a lot of fruit in here as well. Mm. Yeah, it smells like dried apricots immediately. Absolutely. Really yeah. nice, soft. But also, you should be able to smell like there's some pear, some pepperiness going on there. Mm. Some floral, nice. Floral, like absolutely. That is lovely. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Why are we drinking wine? Let's get into beer. Yeah, this is much better. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so refreshing. I know. It's, it's so interesting, mm. isn't it? Yeah. And do you know what? It's great as well because we come off wine, which is full of acidity. We've been tasting wine all day with the podcast. And this has the same lovely, fresh acidity in the cheeks that brings it all alive. It's lovely, yeah. it does, yeah. and, but it's like 
full bodied as well. Yeah, yes, yeah. it's it's, it, it, it's a lot thick. Of complexity. Yeah, so we're we're using real apricots. So we have to make sure that the apricot fully ferments out. Mm. So because the beer, you see, it's so hazy. Um, we don't want like exploding cans or or exploding bottles. So we have to make sure that that when you add external fruit you're essentially adding a sugar sauce we have to make sure that fully ferments out mm. um and yeah it's just it's fascinating it's incredibly dry even though it doesn't taste that dry yeah saisons do they do like to go there in terms of um, um attenuation mm. um, i don't even know what a saison is so oh okay so a, a, a saison is a style of, of beer made famous um in um belgium mm. And it is a, a farmhouse style. It was, it's a style of beer made famous when workers would work on a farm. So what would happen is they would get their leftover grain. They would, um, so wheat, barley, basically any, any cereal. So it's very seasoned. Like yeah, it's a very seasonal right. beer. Um, they would um, uh, make, make an alcoholic drink with it. Typically, it would be whatever yeast is around, like natural yeast. So you would end up with quite like a, Quite a, a funky. You, oh, you described really? it earlier, yeasty, yeah. um, pepper, like a, a little bit festival. of bubblegum. Yeah, exactly. All <laughs> those flavors. Um, so the saison and, and the beer de garde have quite an interesting um, um, relationship as well. Those two particular styles of of beer. But the um, but the saison is, I would say, it tends to be medium to high ABV. Um, quite a strong a strong uh, bitterness and a strong hop character in there as well um, but it's always interesting and fun to add it with fruit as well so um i'm a fan yeah but i'm going to show you one more beer which is like this beer's i'd say um older sister and it's really interesting because it's actually the same yeast we used in primary fermentation. So you'll taste how you could use yeast differently, especially when you um, combine it with um, like a wild and natural fermentation. Mm. So we've got that in there. So this is from a book actually, it's called the Cuvée Cezanne. Um, and I actually made this beer as the young sprightly cousin to blend into my um, Gerzes and my Lambics. So, so my old age beers that's been in a barrel for a long time. I made this as a young sprightly beer to blend into that, but, but have a taste because it's quite similar to the first one, but Thank very, you. very different at the same time. I love the branding on that as well. It's yeah, it's cute, Simple, cool. Yeah, it's interesting because the first one is really quite like fruit but in fruit profile whereas this is more fruity but almost there's a tanginess to the nose that's quite mm -hmm. interesting and that comes the through to the have you tasted it yet not yeah. yet tangy yeah. is it yeah mm -hmm. which the second one has no fruit in it whatsoever oh yeah. considering that's got no fruit it's no quite fruit fruity it's interesting yeah. a little bit of kind of grapefruit quite grapefruity bittersweet mm -hmm almost mm. that's nice yeah so really nice what is is there a context where you would have that one and a context you would have this one or is it just palette do you think yeah so so i, I think it just depends on on what you're after the second one the, the cuvee saison so so this one is a mixed ferment so this where we are in in the work in the realm of um of spontaneous fermentation when when the realm of bacteria we're in the realm of um uh, funky yeast essentially mm. whereas the first beer is completely inoculated so i've added a saison yeast to it whilst the second one i kind of let nature mm. do its thing wow. um, if that makes it sense it does so, taste um, more wild yeah. yeah yeah do you have a preference between the two um, <laughs> I think, um, is this like choosing between yeah. children type thing? Or? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it is, but, but also I, I think with the, I think generally the wild ferment, when, when you're in the land of, um, Brassinomyces, when you're in the land of, um, Lactobacillus and Pediococcus and, and bacteria and, and interesting yeast, I, I, these are the most extreme and also decadent beers that brewers make. Um, so if there was other brewers in the room, these are the beers that would be on my top shelf. 
this is the stuff that I would bring out if I want to show off a bit. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so it's it's not easy to do. It's quite difficult. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of years. It takes a lot of practice. And it's the kind of thing where um, when when someone drinks it and they can taste that and they can taste the work and they're like, yeah. yes, and I liked it, then I think yeah. that's the, that, that, that's what we ask for. Really. Perfect. Yeah, thank you very much. They're fantastic. So, um, yeah. Okay. We, uh, we point of gonna... judgment. The last. Uh, last decision to make before you go. Who picked the best wine? I'm really sorry, but you've been hands down. Oh, <laughs> was, it, was it the Syrah? The Syrah what? Yeah, oh. no, it was, it was both. It was both. Oh. Again. Sophia, again. I actually feel, I feel sorry for you at this point. Yeah, this is just sad. I mean, you're 4-0 up now. This is 4-0? Oh, okay. Four nil. Um, should it's I definitely should the do your job? Should yeah, I be you the probably founder should, of Novel Wines? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. No, fair enough, fair enough. Like, they were good tell wines. Us tell us tell why. Um, Come on, praise. <laughs> praise, praise. So I think, so th this is the winner, right? The, um... The Wild Ferment Chenin Blanc. Ah, there you go. Oh. You, take you know what it is? To, to be honest with you, I think maybe this is just my, my to my taste. It's your jam. Like, it's, it's just my jam. Like, I, I I enjoyed the complexity. I enjoyed the wideness. I enjoyed the long finish. Um, I did really actually enjoy the first wine. Um, it's just, it was a little simpler. Does, does that make sense? And, yeah. and, and But I'm all for a classic. I'm all for a classic. So, but I think today on this occasion, I'm in a, uh, well I'm in done. a fancy mood, and um, yeah. Well, as I said to every guest so far, we'll invite you back to choose the right wine next time. <laughs> ben will keep going, I'll keep going until he yeah. gets a win. Um, but yes, no, thank you very much for thank joining you. us and for talking a bit about what you're up to. Yeah, uh, it's so been absolutely fascinating actually yes. to yeah learn more about beer and, and taste it as well. Yeah, yeah and I'm going to buy your book. <laughs> yes. Guys, just thank you so much for, for having me. Just what a treat to come and, and taste so many lovely wines. Well, thank you very much. So, Ben. Yep. Uh, four nil down. I think I'll eat humble pie, but it's the taking humble part that counts. Humble pine with my wine to pair with it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Although you know, I might probably drink that Chablis because that is lovely. In between the beer, because oh, the beer was. I think the real winner was the beer actually. Oh, okay. So well, I the think real, actually it's the real three... winner was me. <laughs> <laughs> four, four times actually. Oh, no. But oh. uh, yes, the beer was great. I'll have to call it back next week. We'll see you then. See you next week, guys. For Bye. me to win again. <laughs> <laughs> nope. This was a podcast produced by Ben Frank's Wine and edited by Catherine Ag. To find out more, visit benfranks.wine.